Welcome back to Ride in the Big Wheel. I am Michelle Steger, and today we're going to have a wonderful conversation with Annette Slide. Annette leads Enterprise Strategic Accounts Management at Global Payments Integrated Solutions. We're going to talk to Annette about everything from the hybrid workforce, diversity in the workplace, her thoughts on what makes a great leader and how we lead in this new world that we are all working in. How do we all navigate? So grab your cup of coffee, glass of wine, whatever drink of choice, and let's go. She's leading with passion, bringing life to a vision, sharing a story, Okay, so Annette, I have so been looking forward to our conversation today, and uh, I'm really, really happy that you're spending time with us. Thank you, Michelle. I am glad to see you. It's been a long time. It has A been. privilege to come here and chat with you today, so thank you for asking. Oh, thanks. Okay, so what I thought we could do to get started is I would love for you to just talk to people a little bit about yourself, and uh, you work at Global Payments, which is a leading financial services company globally, one of, the, one of the best out there. Um, and just help people understand a little bit about what you do um, and the company you work for. Absolutely. I always start with the joke, and I, I was mentioning this to you earlier. I have friends and family that will say, I, I know you have a decent job, seems like it. And I think it's legal, but I don't understand what you do. Because people hear financial services and they think, are you a banker? Well, I'm not a banker, right? Yeah. You work for Visa? No, I don't work for Visa. <laughs> but really what I do and what Global does, obviously, is um, we move payments and find technology. We're a software-driven company trying to move technology in the financial services space. And that's very complicated word, but we're really just moving business and, and transformation through software-led technologies, right, that happen to be in financial um, arenas. And then what I do with Global is I lead our enterprise account management team for our integrated division. And what that is, it's where you have very, you know, third-party um, complicated point of sales and mm -hmm. gateways and how do they all interconnect so that at the end of the day, you go into a store and, you know, use your card that merchant gets their money for the product you purchased and you have an experience at the point of sale or on the uh, e-commerce site that is positive um, and you can get your product. That, that simple way I do and I manage that um, with a team of folks to make that a good experience for both you as the end consumer but for our clients. We're going to have a great conversation yeah. but let's talk a little bit first about fintech. Yes. So part of this you know, ecosystem of payments of financial services is this broader spectrum that they call fintech or financial technology. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about like what's the scope of fintech? What is it that it is? Because a lot of people don't understand. Um, and just kind of break it down. Sure. And it really is lots of different players. You can have processors that process transactions. You can have software companies that help process transactions. Mm -hmm. But literally the description I just shared, you as a consumer want to go into a store, you want to use your credit card or your debit card, or your ACH, and you want to get a product or service. How do I do that? And it's a very simple transaction for you, hopefully, <laughs> and for the merchant doing it, right? Typically, two to three to five seconds of, of interaction, and then you're off with your 
goods and services. All of the interaction behind that, the ecosystem behind that, mm -hmm. is what fintech is. Because obviously, it's financial data moving around. The technology is how do you take that financial data and make it move around and then meet it where we are in the, the industry right now as human beings and what we're looking for from an experience. Okay, that's great. So there have been so many changes yeah. in technology. Um, so why don't we just start there? So we, you and I made, had an agreement. We're going to kind of freeform our <laughs> right. conversation today. So let's talk a little bit about um, just technology and the evolution of technology and from your perspective, things that we have seen and what's really happening on the horizon that people might want to really know about. Right, right. Well, if you think about when financial services really became something more electronified, right? Mm -hmm. Back yeah. in the day when you would go into the store, there's a little device there. They, you know, swiped your card and, you know, it was a processor doing that and a little device and you moved on your way. It was very simple when I started in the business, right? It, it yeah. was really that basic. And then we get to this world, right? Smartphones and technology, and what can really happen for a consumer? And so what we're seeing now in the industry is the digitization of commerce, right? Like mm -hmm. how do things more digitize? Uh, what we have found after COVID, right? Prior to COVID, and I work mainly in a big retail environment, yeah. but prior to COVID, you know, brick and mortar was a little bit on the decline, but it was still the main area of how people um, um, interacted from a product and service. When COVID came in, what happened is people had to go to e-com, right? Because that was only what was available. Well, the interesting thing is when we came back into going back inside of brick and mortar, people didn't go back. Because what they learned is I can do this and I've learned how to do this and I like the convenience. So now from the industry, both the, 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 the players in the industry, right? Which is what my yeah. company is, as well as the consumer, as well as the merchant. How do we make that work? right from an e-commerce and then you think about where we are from a social and a live life experience and yeah. people want it faster and at less cost so how do you do that wow and as a merchant how do you do that and as a business as we are how do we do that um, and so that that's the challenge and there's so many buzzwords i know people hear cryptogram and blockchain and <laughs> person do. to person and what does all that mean it's yeah. just different ways of money interacting and what we have to do as a business and as an industry is what's here to stay, mm -hmm. what's a fly by night, right? Um, and then how do we have that interact and what the consumer, so not only our merchants, but what the consumer wants, which is what our merchants are telling us, what they, they want. And then how do we do it all securely? Because at the end of the day, oh. as a consumer, and I'm yeah. a consumer, I don't want my, um, a breach of any of my information, right. personal or financial. So the other component that sometimes gets lost because it's not sexy is how do you do all of that in a secure format um, so that everyone's protected in all parts of the ecosystem. Okay, so now I've got an interesting question for you, which is over the next, I don't know, three to five years, what do you believe will be the biggest impact of it, technology on our lives? The biggest impact of technology on our lives? Mm -hmm. Hmm, so that's interesting. I think one, from a positive, right, we will yeah. be able to get to things faster, we'll experience things differently when you yeah. think about the metaverse. So, you know, you want to feel it before you buy it. Yeah. You want to see what the shoe looks like on your foot. Even from an e-com, the metaverse will allow you to do that. I think that's actually pretty cool, right? So that'll be fun. I think from a 
my own personal opinion from a negative is the loss of connection. Mm. I, I'm a human per, uh, a human-to-human -human kind of person. I like that interaction. And sometimes technology takes away the spirit and the emotion. And how do we manage that? And how do we manage as we go down in the generations? So, you know, Gen Z and Alpha, how do we, how do we manage that? So I think that's the, I don't want to say negative, but I think that's the challenge, right? That we have to figure out, just as we have in every evolution, in every decade um, of our yeah. experience, how do we, we manage that? So when I was reading through uh, your bio, one of the things that you call yourself is a conductor. Yep. Right, and I loved that. It yes. was one of the favorite things I read about <laughs> you. But basically, you connect people. Yes. And what you're doing is bringing together an orchestra, right, to right. Make beautiful music for your clients. So what I really want to talk about is you've got decades of experience of connecting people. And I want to, I want to discuss with you like how you bring people together around that common purpose. And then let's have a little bit of a conversation around, you know, now, because of that evolution of technology, um, what's changed? And then generationally, kind yeah. of what's changed. So first, you know, we'll just get into connecting people, the importance of that, and, and what it is that you do in your work to make that happen. Sure. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I love connecting with people, and I think yeah. it comes through authenticity, right? And authenticity says I'm not perfect, but I am what I am. And I understand you're not perfect, you are what you are, and we're going to still bring that together. And, and it's listening and hearing underneath, which is the fear of technology because you don't get to have that connection because it's only a technical piece, but understanding underneath what people are trying to say. I think a little bit is a little bit of gifted, right, because I just can see between the lines on something that maybe others didn't even see. Like I, I will be talking to a client with one of my team members and they're like, yeah, I didn't get that. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of you heard underneath. That's what they were saying. And then how do you bring people together? I, I think also accepting people where they're at. So mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I've been known to be able to get along with people that other people found very difficult because I respect people where they are, right? I don't want you to be me, and I don't want you to want me to be you. I want to respect you where you are. I really respect the differences. And I feel like I can learn from it. So the person that's, that's really tough to connect to, like why? And I want to figure the why out. And my goal is to be able to find a way to connect to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I will spend energy there. And so in a workplace, right, you kind of have to understand everybody's needs, yeah. their challenges, mm -hmm. and then try to bring that together in an authentic way. And I think authenticity, authenticity builds trust. Yeah. It just does. If people really believe they can trust you, even if they don't like what you're saying, but they believe they can trust you, that what you're saying is credible and they can rely on it, people will connect with you and then you can connect others in that way. So that, that I, I really have yeah. fun doing that and it's sort of what I do naturally. Um, and I've come to accept that about myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I would try to push and pull with that. Just go with it, Annette. And I think it, it, it helps even in my um, working inside of an organization, getting things done through others and with others. So when we think about leaders today, and we talked about we're in, at a, at a minimum, a hybrid work environment, some are completely remote, um, how do you as a leader, and what advice would you have for leaders like that want to bring people together? How do you connect? And then how do you connect with a multi-generational workforce that, as we were talking about, connects very differently than like yeah. how you and I do? Right. 
Well, it's, it, so let me take the first one. I yeah. think it's a challenge if, and my whole staff is remote, and I've managed remote people even when I was in the office. Mm -hmm. um, and it is something you have to focus on and really think about, how do I do this? And so I think the, the this is a terrible way to say that, but not a positive, but the one thing, let me say that way, that we learned out of COVID is we were forced to do it because everybody, mm -hmm. whether you're in yeah. education, business, yeah. And how do you then feel connected? Because people needed to feel connected more than ever during yeah. COVID, right? Some people were very alone. And so there are strategies. They're, they're very basic strategies, right? There are things like, let's all get on a camera, right? Let's all have a happy hour together. Let's all um, have a chat where we just share stories. Um, but you do have to think about those strategies and you have to challenge your team. People don't want to get on camera because <laughs> now they're working from home, yeah. you know, they're in, you know, they're in PJs or whatever, but you have to say, let's get on camera. And it's amazing what happens. I had an employee that never got on camera. And when we would have our staff meetings, she was the only one that wasn't. And I said, yeah. you are separating yourself from the group. You don't intentionally mean to do that by being yeah. the only person not. And it's such a different dynamic, and there's more engagement with her and I interacting together doing that. So I think there's strategies, but it's a constant focus. And I think you have to ask your team members, what will make you feel more connected? Mm. Uh, I also think my team's all over the country, yeah. and I think it's important to budget for a period of time to get together mm. as one. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I were talking yeah. about it, and you highlighted this earlier. And to come with a purpose, like yeah. make it a value for your employee to be connected in person. But I do think, and that's a bit of a challenge in corporations where we're trying to manage budgets, but I mm -hmm. think making sure teams can come together at least once or twice and see each other one-on-one -on -one will bring mm -hmm. connection that then you can bring it back remotely, but it'll stay with you. Um, one of the other things we do in the broader team, like my leader does, and I, and I love this idea, and I was against it initially, it's a team of, I don't know, 40, 50 people, and we come together twice a month um, online. Um, some are on pictures, some are not, but we tell stories about each other. We uh -huh. share success stories. And I feel, I have some of these people I've never met, but I can have a joke with them. I feel connected to them. So I do think you can get to connection through virtual, but, but it takes effort. Okay. So that's actually some pretty good advice. What about, let's talk multi-generational. And we had a conversation about, you know, Gen Z. We had the conversation about um, just the, the millennials, you know, and, and yeah. how they look at technology, the, the really younger set. That's, let's talk about the people that are in the workplace, maybe mm -hmm. entering the workplace now, um, that millennial, younger millennial. How do you see them? How are they different or not in how they connect versus Gen X? versus there are still baby boomers right. at work. Right. You know, you've got now you've got like these four generations right. potentially working together in one place. So what does that look like? And then how do you bring those people together? Yeah, and it and it can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I, I think one of the things I would say to the baby boomers is don't acquiesce to the belief that the Gen X or the millennials don't want the human connection. Uh -huh. I think that's a false story, mm -hmm. right? Because when you connect with them, they get very connected. Yeah. I think at the same time, you do have to respect that they operate differently, mm -hmm. right? They move faster, they use technology, they like emailing and chat, they wanna move on because again, they're looking at TikTok and, and all, yeah. and it's 15 seconds and they're moving to the next, and it's 15 seconds and they're moving to the next. 
so long-winded conversations and deep thought mm -hmm. and provoking is not going to probably work for them. So you sort of just have to balance. And I think it's by person. Like, you can't put anybody in a bucket. There are some baby boomers. My father was in his 80s and could work a computer better than anybody. So uh -huh. I think you can't put people in buckets either. Like, you, you have to get to know the person and kind of meet them where they are. I'm really big on that. Um, but don't have preconceived notions. And I know we tend to do that with millennials, with genetics. Oh, they, you know, it, it, some of them want the connection and really appreciate it. So I think you meet them where they are. Okay. It's funny you brought up um, your, who, who is it who's tech savvy? Your dad? My dad. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's interesting because my mom is 84 and she has an eBay store. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm very proud of, of the things that she can do. All right. So. Let's talk a little bit more about human connection and the importance of that and where we are today with this hybrid working world. So we did previously discuss some yeah. of the big challenges that we see. And, and what we, we talked about was you had people working from home, right. whether companies wanted them to or not. It's what we were all really forced to do through the pandemic. We call it like that big experiment to see, right? right? It did a couple things, push technology and the use of it up three to five years, you know, more Absolutely. Right. Than, than it would have been, right? So it advanced us in the use of technology. Remember, I can't, in 2019, Zoom wasn't even really a thing, right? And then this video conferencing, right. remember the days the when it was yeah. really expensive, those big screens, now everybody has it. So now you, you've entered an environment where you've got some validity and some maybe not valid, right? Where you've got um, a challenge with where people are gonna work. Yeah. So you've got the company, we'll call it the company, right? That, that may be saying, okay, we need you in hybrid, we need you in all the time, we're losing collaboration, we're losing, we can talk about what can be lost. And then you've got though, employees that are saying what I'm really happy here but you even have leaders within companies that are saying I'm really happy at right. home too right? right so it's not one thing or it's not like the company but it could be driven by a myriad of things we're in like more difficult I think we can all admit we're in a little bit of a, a difficult economic climate right that could be one of the drivers right when uh, something's not broken you don't fix it so we're looking for that but I feel like we've got uh, this opportunity to have a beautiful hybrid work world, whatever right. that looks like, and we can talk about you know ideal states around that. And then you've got the companies digging in, employees digging in, people aren't talking, and I'm saying we could ruin a great opportunity, <laughs> yep. right? So really, I'd like to get your perspective. You have a remote team. Yes. What you feel about remote, hybrid, in office, and you know just like things we know that work and don't work, and then the why behind any of it. Right. And I do think we're in a new experiment, right? Yeah. To some extent where you have, um, in some instances, 100% remote employees. Mm -hmm. um, I've always worked in this industry because, especially when you're sales, I mean, people have always worked, been around the world, yeah. around the country, so they didn't yeah. always come into the office. But where really there is not that dynamic, because if you go into an office and most of the desks are empty, it's kind of a cold environment, and I've done right. that. I've walked into an office and sat at a cube, and it was sort of cold and isolated. And so I think it is an experiment and a challenge, right? We know mm -hmm. it can be done, because during the pandemic, we did it, and companies stayed somewhat productive. 
I think the challenge is now we're starting to see a lack of production a little bit, right? And so it's a natural tendency for, for executives to say, well, everybody get back. Let's collaborate. People who have now gone remote are like, no, no, I'm liking this. I have a little more work-life balance. And that's not a negative. Sometimes mm -hmm. executives see that as, well, you're not working hard enough. No, no, no. Work-life balance means maybe I get back on the computer at 8 o'clock at night because I haven't just done a two-hour drive to get home and shut mm -hmm. my computer off at the office, right? But, yeah. you know, and so everybody's sort of over, one here, one here. How do we bring back what's really going to work for both parties? Because, yeah. again, human connection, I think people would like to connect. And so I think you and I were talking, you know, if you went into an office with a purpose and there were other people you needed to work with and you were sitting down working on a project or an initiative or meeting in a room, I think people would love that. Yeah. But if I'm going into office to put in a headset, to sit at a cube, to now have to go buy lunch, to pay for parking, to not talk to anyone, to just get on Google or Zoom or whatever your choice of technology is, yeah. what was the point of me doing that? So then there becomes this resistance. And by the way... If you're in some of these urban cities, it took me two hours uh, to get here, and yeah. it's going to take me two hours to get home. So why did I do that, Mr. Executive? And so I think there needs to be a conversation. I think they should get sort of like an employee executive panel and sit down nice. and say, let's yeah. talk about this, right, at all different levels of um, grade level in the organization. So not just the executives, not just the, the line level managers, right. but but people in the trenches that are doing it, right, as well as those mid-managers, and really talk about what would be ideal state for both parties at the end of the day, making sure we get the production and the results we want as an organization. There is a way to do this, but we have to be willing, and it's going to take a little bit of time. And I, I think you and I were talking earlier, because my fear is people will rise to the level of mediocrity, right? Yeah. Mediocrity is hard to fire, right? Yeah. Maybe you can riff it, but it's hard to fire. But if you only have mediocre people, or they're only working at a mediocre level because they're frustrated, right? You're forcing me to do something I don't want to do, mm -hmm. so yeah. I'm just not going to give my heart and soul, right? You don't get the production of the person that says, you don't have to tell me to come in. I just want to be here, yeah. right? And I think we have to find that, that balance. And I think that's a little bit of loss in the push and pull of I want you in and I don't want to be in. I think yeah. there is a meaning of the minds, but it's going to take a little bit of work. That experiment called the pandemic mm -hmm. really shifted mindsets, and we've got to figure that back out. And, and keep in mind, a lot of companies close a lot of real estate, mm -hmm. so people can't yes. come back in. Yep. There is nowhere to go to. Um, so you have to come up with some, some creative strategies. I know one of our teams that were um, in Nebraska, I mean, they just all get together for lunch. Right. Uh, yeah. And sometimes, you know, the company will pay for it or whatever. They get together for a lunch or, you know, so there's there's strategies to make sure that connection stays. Because I do think it's important and you do lose a sense of community, organizational community yeah. and culture if you can't find um, that connection. I happen to be an advocate of the hybrid workplace mm -hmm. just because of that connection. The other thing I'm thinking about is like young people coming in. So I'll tell you a story about my nephew. This is a funny story in a way. Uh, anyway, he was top his class at Buffalo, a stats major. He's double major math and stats. And, yeah. you know, anyway, he took a job um, in the Midwest, was very excited about it. Huge global healthcare company, great opportunity. Literally, when he took the job, the pandemic hit. Uh. Now, he's 22 years old. He just got out of college. He worked for a year and a half out of an apartment. He got a cat. 
<laughs> and then he just basically called up his parents and said, I'm done. He went to Denver, Colorado and bummed around basically for about a year and a half while he detoxed himself from feeling like really isolated. Right. It's crazy. He got a job chopping wood and said he felt really great. Right. Well, now, you know, post-pandemic environment, he's he went back to New York and he's got a good job. But interestingly enough, he said, I want a job where I'm in the office. Yeah. Because he never got any sense of connection at all. Now, people like us, we're mature in our career. We have a big network. We know right. what to do and how to navigate. But, you know, and so for me, that's why I like hybrid, because I'm thinking about that young person that can learn from me, too. And I should be able to learn right. from that young person also. So, you know, I don't know what you've, what you've experienced, um, but I think things can work in that hybrid world. I'm with you also, though, right, on the remote the remote work. In sales, it always kind of has been right. to some extent. So it's kind of like consulting. It's always been a little bit hybrid or remote because you're on site with clients. Right. Um, you know, so it's kind of the nature of the job. But what do you think about the development of young people and how you kind of make that happen? And, and you make a good point because when I think back over my career and I, you know, was, you know, I traveled a lot most of my yeah. career, but I still was in the office yeah. when I was in the office. Some of my closest friends now came out of my work environment. I mean, oh. so... Yeah. I do feel that some of that will be lost, right? Because uh, they, they don't have that interaction on a day-to-day -day basis. When you think about it, when we were in the office, 40, 50, sometimes 60 hours a week, yeah. and you're connecting with these other people that are in the office 40, 50, I mean, 60 hours a week, is more than you're spending with your family. And some of them become your family. So I, I do get concerned for that young um, professional who hasn't, like you and I, we've matured and working remote, we've, mm -hmm. we can navigate that, who, who hasn't had that opportunity. I mean, it, and it's coming from someone like you and I who are mm -hmm. of that mindset. Now, they are used to being, you know, they're somewhat disconnected anyway. When you see them at dinner, it's four of them, and they're all on their phones. I'm like, oh my God, you can't just talk to each other? Like, right. why, why are you talking, <laughs> and why are you on your phone? So I don't know if it's as bad for them as yeah. it is what we perceive. Mm -hmm. The only thing I know is human connection, human spirit is human spirit. It doesn't die with a generation. It's there, and yeah. so how do you manage to that? I, I think it's a challenge, and I think it's something that we have to continue to work through, and I think it's something we need to ask them. We can't mm -hmm. solve for it ourselves. I think we can bring, you know, the beauty of being in this generation is we can bring the wisdom. The yeah. beauty of a, a Gen Xer you know, on a millennial, is that they can bring the newness and the innovation. And we need to bring that and appreciate that mm -hmm. and learn. So I think we need to ask them because I think they'll be honest to say they don't just love talking through the phone, but they don't know what, what they don't know another experience. Yeah. And so how do we help them? Um, but it sounds like with your nephew, they become very isolated. And I think yeah. that leads to all other kind of social ills, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't want that to happen. And we don't want that to happen in our workplace, yeah. right? Again, I think, you know, could you get creative to say, we want everybody in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and the office for the most part will be for those who just want to come in on Monday and Friday. Mm -hmm. Because then everybody's together. It's purpose. Because again, if I come Tuesday, you're coming Thursday, I don't see you Thursday. No so I'm just sense, coming in, right? and I'm more isolated than if yeah. I was just at home. Yeah. So those are some of the creative things we're going to have to think about 
And we're going to have to do it. Companies cannot just draw a line and say, this is the way I want it and by dog it. Because right. you can. I mean, you're the, 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 the leader or the executive. But again, are you just raising people to the level of mediocre right. because they're just doing what they're forced to do? But how do we get to a very productive, happy, engaged workforce? Which sounds hokey, but I actually think that's how you make revenue. People have to be productive and engaged and want to do the job versus being forced to do the job. Boy, I am with you 100%. So let's dig a little bit into that because I agree with you. You can say you got to be or you got to do, got to, got to, yeah. you need to do this. But no, I, I also, you know, so we do sales effectiveness yeah. consulting and we'll tell people, okay, I, I don't know how an incentive plan, right, what we pay people, that doesn't inspire them. It, it is a communication plan. It tells people what their priorities are, right? It may motivate a certain behavior, but it doesn't motivate the person right. or inspire the individual. That comes from something else. Right. So let's talk about, because you've seen a lot working yes. with leaders, like what great leaders are like that inspire, motivate, and other people would follow them to the ends of the earth. Right. They don't care about, you even brought up a really good point around doesn't even matter where they work. They're going to follow their leader to the ends of the world. Like, what great leaders do and advice you can give others, especially now, and has anything changed with how leaders need to lead since we've entered this, call it post-pandemic right. work world? And that's a great question, and I think about who I've deemed as great leaders that I've, I've connected to. And I think, and it's, I'm going back to the same word, but it's the authentic leaders, right? Mm -hmm. The leaders that will say, I screwed this up. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why, right? Um, leaders who talk about what we can do and not what we're not doing, right? Mm -hmm. Here's where we can go. Here's how we can go, and, and this is what we need to do. Um, leaders that um, allow you to fall forward, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and then help you move along uh, the way, right? I mean, I had a personal experience with a leader um, where there was a client we lost, and it just really bothered me, and I couldn't mm -hmm. get past it. And instead of, you know, oh, my God, and which is how I would react. Yeah. And so I learned something here. What are we gonna? They were like, well, let's go through what happened. What did you do? Mm -hmm. We'll be okay. This is, and, and all of a sudden, you had a sense of I'm okay. And so I think leader, leaders that um, have that emotional intelligence to recognize mm -hmm. And it's by person, right? You have to spend time knowing your employees. Some people right. don't need that. Some people do, but they have that sense of that and that you're going to be okay. Um, that, really, that really inspired me, quite honestly. Yeah. Like, it's okay, right? Not it's okay we're going to lose clients and that's okay, but it's okay that we fail forward on this one and why did we and we recognize and this is what we can pick and choose for the yeah. next time. So I, I, so I feel like people who make you feel like you can move forward, because to your point, I can't motivate you to do your job. All I can do is create an environment where you feel self-motivated. Right. And I think people think they can motivate people. People have to self-motivate, but yeah. you have to create an environment where they're able to do that. Hey, it's Michelle. 
I just wanted to thank you so much for listening to Ride in the Big Wheel, a podcast where we bring to you the personal stories and professional journeys of women in leadership across the world and a guest list of well-known experts covering a range of topics that we know will inspire you in your own personal and professional journey of life. So everything that I'm hearing about the environment has to do with the leadership and how people are being treated and how they feel about the place where they're working. I didn't hear you say, buy good snacks. I didn't hear you say, you know, buy lunch or whatever that case may be. But I'm hearing you say that it has to do with it's getting back to connection. Yep, yep. Hmm. And appreciation. Okay. So, you know, some of that will come out of that. Yeah. So we were making a joke, um, you know, you, you know, it's something as corny as, you know, hey, it's payday and you send all the employees a payday bar. Right. Yeah. Oh it's just gosh. something that just con- it just makes people feel like you see them outside of a robot. Right. Yeah. Um, again, with technology being what it is, it's very easy for people to start feeling robotic in their experience. Mm-hmm. And for people to start treating each other sort of like do task A, do task B, do task C. Yeah. You know, so how do you yeah. just something fun and light and, and you know, engaging. Like that's corny. Yeah. And, and I'm a bit of a corn person. So I mean, <laughs> people will accuse me of that. But I think something to make people laugh and get a little giggle. Um, we find some humor in our work day. Yeah. I, I think that's an, an important. And so when you are looking at people in a way to inspire them, you will do things like send them, you know, I, I've sent a lawyer for doing their job, but they did it so well, and we sent them chocolate-covered strawberries and said, thank oh, you. I mean, yeah. lawyers never get thank yous like no, that. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, but, but it's that, and it's those little things that make people want to um, be a part. It's yeah. not, did I get another incremental yeah. rate? Now, that's important. People need income, and they want growth, and they want promotion. But if it's only to go and do the same things I've been doing and get treated the same way yeah. I've been getting treated, that has no value, right? Yeah. All right, so let's shift gears because I know you got a good one on this one, I'm sure. But what are the biggest mistakes that you see leaders make yeah. um, as they, you know, are yeah. leading, leading out there? Yeah, <laughs> I think operating from a, a spirit of, oh my God, if my team does wrong, then I look like I'm wrong. And, and, and I will speak for myself, right? That, as I've gone through my career, um, especially when you're working with clients and you don't want to ever lose a client or lose a deal, or you know, it, it, you have to be okay. But also your leadership has to tell you it's okay. Like everybody has to say, if you've done the right things, it's okay. Now it's not okay if you're not doing the right things, but let's help you with that. But if you're doing the right things, it's okay. And so, you know, leaders need to be careful that they're not perfectionists, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because no one's perf- perfection, right? And when I think people operate from a fear of failure, mm-hmm. very tough because you're going to fail. I mean, that's just the nature of life and that's the nature of work. Things aren't going to work out sometimes and they have to recognize that it's okay. And as a leader, we have to, you know, we can't just say the buzzword. You've got to really allow people to fail forward. And kind of work through that. So I think that's one thing is making sure that you allow people to fail forward. I think the other mistake that that we make, you know, I try to tell my team we're just peers, yeah. you know, and I'm an emissary for you inside the organization with your client. My job is to help you do your job. It's mm-hmm. not for me to shine above you, or it is for me to really serve you. Like I'm here to serve you, and therefore serve the client. 
And so I think sometimes leaders want to take, I'm the leader, I'm in, you know, yeah. and people get that and there's yeah. no respect for that. You know, you want respect, not fear, right? And so I think sometimes leaders, I'm the boss, yeah. that never is going to win. So do it because I'm the boss, right? That, that's just not going to win. Let's collaborate, let's figure it out. Um, you know, sometimes I do have to say no or say we're going this direction because I am asked to be accountable. Yeah. But let's talk about that. So I don't have, you know, let's, let's, let's have a winning conversation. Doesn't mean you get your way or I, you know, but let's have a winning conversation and let's a buy-in, right? Yep. So I think that's the other thing, Michelle, is leaders don't communicate enough, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't know what that's about. I'm a little nervous to tell you, not sure how you're going to react. It, again, go back to the trust, yeah. right? The credibility, the integrity. You as a leader have to have that too, yep. right? And then when you do, and you have these conversations, and they're difficult conversations sometimes, but if they trust you and they believe in you, they're gonna still follow. So, so you know, I think sometimes leaders don't communicate enough and they don't communicate honestly and authentically, mm -hmm. right? And they don't communicate when they're struggling. Like, I'm struggling too, right? Now, not that, you know, the boat is sinking and I'm just standing there going, yeah, I know it's sinking because they're <laughs> looking for you to, to find a strategy, right. but to say, I know this is tough, right? It's not all roses, right? And I'm working with you to work through this. So sometimes I don't think we communicate enough and then you don't communicate authentically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, not communicating enough and being authentic. So two things. Um, I actually do hear that a lot from in our consulting work that the leaders aren't communicating mm -hmm. enough. Some of the feedback we hear is, well, I don't know everything. But I, I would encourage leaders to say, I want to hear your take on this. Just tell me what you know. Right. You don't have to have all the answers. It doesn't have to be perfect. But just kind of keep me in the know or right. let me know kind of what's going on. Right. No, I, I agree. And, and the team I work with today, both, I hope my team would say this, we, yeah. we started this new strategy from a leader to employee that, you know, we put in some, some tools to make sure you're communicating, you know, at least once a month. Mm -hmm. My staff, like, once a month, my God, we talk, like, <laughs> every day, you know, but, but because I'm, 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 I'm a roll-you-up kind of uh, leader, yeah. and we, we engage, sometimes for fun, sometimes serious. Um, but, um, yeah, I do think that... Um, um, finding that way to to integrate that is just really really um, important. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just important. And then on the authenticity front, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. So I believe in being authentic as well. I don't know whether I call it straightforward, you know, whatever, transparent. Um, but I I like to believe I'm authentic yeah. with my team. And here's what I hear from leaders they believe that they need to lead, right? Now, authentic, sometimes it's perceived as, I'm too vulnerable, yeah. I don't want to do it. And then sometimes it's perceived as, but am I crossing the line yeah. in, you know, how much emotion I should show or, or how I should really be communicating with the team? What advice would you have for people that, you know, they may have grown up in that environment of, I mean, I did, right, where your leader, they didn't really talk much to you in the hallway. You're lucky if you got right. a wave. Oh, right. he waved at me <laughs> right. today, right? right. The CEO right. was here and he tapped his right. hat or whatever. Um, but, you know, what advice would you have for leaders in helping them understand how they can take 
just the first steps into being authentic and what that means. It doesn't mean you have to bear your soul, no, right? No, no, it, it It actually means taking accountability for yourself. Yeah. It means um, um, communicating when you can. And it may be, hey, these are difficult conversations. I know you have real questions, but I'm not at liberty right now to share with you. But when I can, I will, right? Authentic also means I will follow up on what I say I'm going to do, yep. right? And if I don't, for whatever those reasons are, I can say I'm sorry. It's yeah. just being human, right? It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, and I really do believe this, I'm, I don't really care who you are, yeah. right? At the end of the day, if you cut us, we all bleed blood, you know, a leader at whatever level, even if you're an entrepreneur, you have a boss. It's the customer, right? Yeah. So every level has a boss. Right, so we're all just trying to do the job we're trying to do and we're asked to do to the best of our ability, even our leaders. So leaders are human too, they're not robots, right? And yeah. so your team needs to understand that about you, right? I'm not a robot, I, I just am in a role maybe for experience or expertise that I'm, I'm helping serve you, but I'm human with flaws and failings and I need you to recognize that and I need to share that when that's happening. But to your point, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you just let people roll over on you. Yeah. Authenticity doesn't mean that at all. It just means you come from a, a true place, right? People find you credible, right, mm -hmm. in what you're saying, and you come from a, a place of integrity. Yeah. It doesn't mean you share information you shouldn't or people can not follow the rules of the organization or you don't hold people accountable. That's kind of a misnomer around that word. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you a question. And it's going to be about men versus women okay. leaders. And here's what I'm going to ask you. What would you say would be for a, a woman in leadership, you know, and, and your experience, would be their superpower? And then I'm going to ask you the same about men. Hmm. And then how men and women together just really can change the dynamics of a workplace. Let me think about this. Yeah. So a woman's superpower. Gosh, and, and you know, I, I hate to put people in boxes, but I, yes. I think there is, I think there is, and I don't know if there's scientific proof, but I would believe there is, that women are better at multitasking. Hmm. I think they are just better at lots of parts and pieces and moving those around. And I, I just do, mm -hmm. right? And when you think about women who also have children in the workforce, and I'm not saying yeah. it's 100% because I think men are evolving, especially when we get into our millennial um, perspective, but most women have to multitask at home and the kids and what's happening there, doctors and school and also their work life. So, yeah. so I would bet there's scientific proof on this, but I think women are better multitaskers. Conversely, I think men are very directed and very focused on here, we got A, B, C, let's get it done um, and let's go about doing that, right? Yeah. So if you take the two together, Right? I think both can have emotional intelligence. I don't mm -hmm. think a woman is yeah. better than that than a man. And I think there are women that lack that significantly. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, you know, a lot of times people tie that to females. I don't, I don't agree with that. There are yeah. men that have great emotional intelligence, right? So I think if you kind of combine the methodical, very focused one track with women who tend to be able to multitask and look at the broader and bring them together, and if they both have a good ability around emotional intelligence and they're authentic leaders and they want to inspire, it, it just would be amazing. What is your superpower? 
I think my superpower is the authenticity and connecting with people. Yeah. I can get things done. I, I can't. I, I think I, I can get things done. I, I work through others. I work really hard on building relationships. I mean, I work at it. I think mm -hmm. it's important yeah. um, to do that um, personally, and it's how I thrive, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, if I, I don't have good relationships, I'm not whole. So yeah. I, I work on that. And in the workplace, I mean, my job is a lot of where my life is, and so I really work on that. So I think that's my superpower. And there are times things can't get done, and I step in, and I can get them done. And so, so I think that that's my superpower. So I want to talk just a little bit more on the um, relationship building piece because what I find is that a lot of women in leadership, um, they'll, I've even heard from women at the C-level, right? They're CEO, mm -hmm. CRO, that they almost um, believe that they've got just a bigger load sometimes mm -hmm. than others. Um, within the organization than even their male peers in some situations because they're given these big problems to solve for a lot of times. I don't really know why, but that's it. But let's assume men and women both, yeah. right? They're, they're just stretched. And so what I hear is I don't have time to build those relationships, but I know how important it is. And I, I think if there's like one thing that you could give people to take away is the importance of building those right. relationships. Um, I remember when I was building my retail business and we went, I think I shared this with you, I went through 9-11 and then the 2008-9 financial crisis. I had no time for my friends. I mean, like right. I made no time for my friends. But I got to tell you, it was a lot lonelier than I had I carved out that time as I look back. Now, I'm very grateful I had a very supportive family right. with me all the way, but I still could have used someone else to talk to so they didn't have to bear all that right, right? um so i don't know i i think building those relationships really matter yeah i i think they are very very important and you have to put a strategy around it right because mm. they you know I, I had a leader tell me one time there's only 24 hours a day you're not getting an extra that's what it is <laughs> yeah. figure out what it is every day that's most important to oh. you and start the day that way and so even with my personal, because I'm like, you, Michelle, I can get so busy with work and I'm traveling and da-da-da-da, um, I'm tired. I don't really yeah. want to, you know, we talk all day on the phone or email. I don't really want to do that at night. And I have to really say, I am going to call so-and-so tomorrow. Yeah. It is part of my task, right? Because relationships take work just like yeah. everything else. And so I think in the workplace, if I'm starting to work with a new leader that I've never worked with before, and I know they're critical to the success of my team and my clients. Yeah. I'll reach out and say, hey, can I just get a quick 15 minutes with you? Just wanted to introduce myself and say who I am and what I do, blah, 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 sort of my philosophy of philosophy around my team. Yeah. They always appreciate that, right? Um, if there's somebody I'm not getting along with, like we have a tenant inside of, I work in global, I work inside of the Heartland organization. Okay, yep. And so we have a tenant, one of them is respectfully rumbling. So if I find I'm respectfully <laughs> rumbling too much with somebody, then I feel like, hey, can we have a little conversation? Let me tell you where I'm coming from. Um, because then you can, they can help you move um, forward. I mean, for me, and I just had an incident like yesterday, I needed a favor of something that was occurring um, that was outside of a process. And the leader said, I'm putting myself on the line because I trust you and you're credible. So I wow. hope what you're telling me is the right thing to do. For me, that's a win. Yeah. That's a win. And that's what I give to my team.
because if you as a leader can't get done things done for them, what good are you to them? Yeah. And so for me, that relationship building through the organization um, has value, not only for me personally to connect, but also in getting things done for the organization and for my, my team. All right, so I want to delve into a whole other area because I was really interested in this. Just before COVID, I think it was, you, I hate to say pre-COVID, yeah. post-COVID, but the relevancy around that is because we were working remotely. Right. So you had just gotten into the position of leading diversity, equity, and inclusion within your organization. Right. And I don't know, let's let's talk about whether, um, you know, was that a task force or how that, yeah. what that looked like. I'd love to hear you just explain to us, like, what DE&I means to you, what your charter is within the organization. Um, and then I want to have a conversation about, has that changed or how do we deal with this in a remote working yeah. world as well, and then, you know, the broader community view. Right. So first, just kind of talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. What you do. And sure. And so it's changed now, so I'm not right. leading that anymore, because right. at the time when, when uh, TSIS and Global came together, both organizations have been looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is what okay. DEI stands for, right? Yep. Diversity, and then equity, and then inclusion. It used to be just D&I. Yeah. Diversity, inclusion, and then they, the, as it's evolved, people recognize equity is just important. Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of a task force because okay. we didn't have a full DEI office, right? HR was doing their part. And so they really hadn't pulled in a, a DEI officer at that okay. point. And so our charge was to try to find ways to build an inclusive, equitable, and diverse organization okay. culturally throughout the organization. So it was leaders from different parts of the organization. And remember, this is a big acquisition. There's lots yeah. of divisions within the acquisition. Mm -hmm. How do we come together as an organization? And um, it was a big task because you had two organizations that didn't know each other, yeah. right? Uh, trying to bring it together. But I, I would say one of the great things I learned kind of parallel to the whole initiative, it was a great way, and I would sh share with any person trying to make their way in a lot of acquisition merger, mm -hmm. when there's an opportunity to lead in the way that you did, and it was a little nerve-wracking because I was like, I don't know half these people, <laughs> but it allowed me to get to know the organization yeah. and for the organization to get to know me, right? And so I would tell people, take the risk, and I would say to women more, because we tend to be a little ner more nervous about taking yeah. risk, take the risk, right? It, it, what, what's the loss? Somebody needed to stand up, I was willing to do it. And it allowed me an opportunity to learn and get to know different divisions and people. Um, and I think it, it does, um, it did also help me understand the importance of respecting all kind of diversity. And we huh. tend to think of diversity in terms of sex or color, mm -hmm. right? You know, but there's so many diverse perspectives. It was diverse right. that you had people from Global and people from TSIS. That was a diversity perspective, right? And how do you start to bridge and interconnect and intersect yeah. all of those. Um, one of the things we did that I just thought, we did it for a couple of years, but I thought it was fun as we were trying to build out our office. And now we have a full-fledged office and we have affinity groups and they've grown and um, our, our DEI office is doing an amazing job. And, and mm -hmm. so the council in and of itself is not still there in that same manner. Um, but we had like um, uh, uh, an employee uh, diversity week. Right? Mm -hmm. And we would have different aspects. We'd have our uh, ERGs come in and talk. We'd have speakers and uh, activities and 
you know, yeah. a DJ and people all over the, around the world and we would just play music from around the world. And, it, you know, culturally connecting and we were doing this through COVID. So it was a way to connect as well. And so I'll always be wow. proud of that and what, yeah. what, what that was because I think that was very, very exciting um, for us. But the company is still really working forward in making sure that we have a very inclusive organization. Um, and I, I, I think that's, that's super important. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great perspective, yeah. um, and it, it, it is more than, it, you're talking about culture, you're talking about beliefs, you're talking about the whole right. spectrum, it's not just sex, it's not just race, it's not just uh, your orientation, right. my male, female, um, it's a lot more than that, and you know, what advice would you leave with people, as particularly in this hybrid world or remote world where we're connecting you know, virtually? How do we culturally connect, or how do we just bring ourselves together, right. if you will, in a world where we may not be sitting next to each other and maybe sharing a joke right. or a cup of coffee, and it starts to just naturally happen as we understand each other's perspectives, you know, where we're coming from in right. life? Well, what do you think really works? Yeah, I think, you know, as you're talking with people, sometimes talk outside of work. I think we're so yeah. one-tracked, like, hey, I'm only... And this is the challenge of remote, yeah. right? Even when we're working with clients, right? When you are just, hey, as quick as I can get off this call so I can get back to work. Yeah. Whereas when you're face-to-face -face and engaged, you tend to have more of a personal conversation. Yeah. So if you can make a point, you know, going back to, and this has always been an impact to me, and I always talk about this. So going back to the George Floyd incident, right? Yeah. When you say, how do you connect with people that might be different? Yeah. I, and how do you do this in work? And so, you know, we're virtual. That incident occurs. I have a meeting on the books, a regular meeting with somebody, and they get on the call, and they're different from me, right? Mm -hmm. They're not uh, African-American. And I start down with the work thing, right? Yeah. Um, and the person says, stop. I want to know how you're doing. What just happened is horrific for you, I'm sure, and for me. And I don't want to talk about work. I want to talk about us and are we okay unless... And it'll, wow. it, it, it makes me almost tear up right now. And, that, and if this person ever listens to this, they know who I'm talking about. Because I said that was so impactful. So when you talk about yeah. whatever that is, you I mean, that was George Floyd. It could be whatever. It, you know, it could be you were in a meeting with all C-suite and they threw you out of the room, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and you could see the person go into this complete, yeah. you know, whatever that is that we stop and say, are you okay? And recognize this person may not be okay. Um, and it doesn't matter if you fully understand their right. experience, yeah. but you can fully empathize with their experience, right? And I think if we take, just take a little time to be human, I think we just get so into the puts and takes of the job that we just don't take time to be human anymore. Yeah. That 30 seconds to be human is not going to be a loss. I I'll tell you a work story, yeah. sort of aligned. Yeah. So my team... Every meeting, we have a staff meeting twice a month, we start the meeting with success stories. Now you can have a heck of a week where you feel like there is no success. <laughs> and I feel like if people can find something to celebrate, yeah. even if it's personal, that gives you a reason why you went through the hell you went through, right? Because <laughs> my kid just graduated, so I needed this job to do yeah. that, whatever that is. So I did an experiment. So it makes the meetings longer because people mm -hmm. get into it, right? Mm -hmm. The first time I did it, nobody would even talk. Now they talk over each other to get their success story out, right? Yeah. 
So I did an experiment because the meetings were going long. I said, well, I'm going to take that off the agenda. It's just not that important. Bad leadership, yeah. right? Let's just get to the work. <laughs> I found such a, 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 a diminishing of inspiration. Like there wasn't energy in the staff calls. People weren't participatory. And I thought, I'm putting this back on the agenda. And I remember I invited in my leader at the time to join one of my staff calls just to get to know the people. And I remember her saying, heck, I'm inspired, right? I mean, because people start feeding off of each other. And I, as a leader, will keep some success I know of in the back of my mind. So if they don't come up with one, I come up with one for them. Because it's important wow. for you to recognize something good happened mm -hmm. in this mire of what may have been a yucky week, right? right? Or a yucky couple of weeks. And we have other people that are not my direct team, but, you know, are very important to us in terms of internal stakeholders. And now they'll share success stories. Right. So it's kind of permeating <laughs> outside of that. And, and that was an experiment that was a lesson in this is how you create an environment for people to be inspired. Yeah. Take the time. If I don't get through all the tactical agenda stuff, so what? Take right. the time to celebrate your successes. It's important. Wow. That's very powerful. So you reminded me of one thing that we started doing. Um, typically when we do in a consulting firm, your kickoff meetings are on site. We work remote. And then, you know, really pertinent readout meetings. You may be in a boardroom, whatever yep. the case may be. Well, during the pandemic, so something that we adopted and we, we continue with, you weren't connecting. And you know what it's like when you connect in person yes. versus, you know, just virtual. So we started asking, you know, no one expects us at a client that your consultant is going to come on, the partner is going <laughs> to come on and say, okay, yeah, that's great. Tell me your name and tell me what you do and how your, your role on the project. That's usually where it stops. Right. But we're like, and give me a fun fact. Yeah, tell me something, I love it. right? So everyone started talking and then they're laughing. And then within the company, they're talking to each other. I didn't know that about right. you. And people were, you know, laughing and having a good time. And then uh, one of my consultants said, and, you know, I happen to love, you know, as a hobby, interior decorating, right? So she's a complete yeah. consultant, numbers, analytics person. I absolutely love doing that. And would you mind telling me to my client, what color is the wall in your <laughs> office? Because I can't take my eyes off of it. So then we laughed, and she gives her the, you know, Benjamin Moore color, whatever, whatever it was. Anyway, there is um, a way to bring together diverse people connecting in different ways, yep. and then you, it leads to the next thing. And maybe it makes it easier to say, how are you? Absolutely, when that, right. that thing happens. And that thing yeah. happens. A a absolutely. Yeah. And I want to say CEOs are human, too. Yeah. <laughs> Right. They, they like a little appreciation. Yeah. They like a little humor. They like a little conversation. Yeah. You know, you're respectful of time. But, but all people are human. I think we get very nervous, especially as you grow up, yep. what we consider the executive chain, right? Yep. And if you're having to communicate, that they don't want to stop and have a conversation. But they're humans. They have kids. They have hobbies. They have likes. They have dislikes. And I think when you do that, it breaks all barriers. And now we can get to the work. But now there's a, a circle of trust that's been built, yeah. when you come in just tactical, let's just get to the business at hand, there's been no circle of trust built. So you kind of come from a position of what are you trying to sell me or what are you trying to convince me to do that I don't want to do? Versus when you see, oh, we're more alike than we are mm. different yep. and we are connected. Now let's just talk about this business that's in the middle of that, right? right? Yeah, okay. absolutely.
I love that, Annette. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So now let's talk about something that I know is, is dear to you, which is mentoring yes. and the importance of that. So just share with the audience um, what you do, you know, how you mentor and, and um, why it's important and what is it that the outcomes are? What, what's your end game in all of that? Well, you know, and I like informal mentoring. I've been yeah. in a couple of formal mentoring um, mm -hmm. programs and um, uh, I love that right because mm -hmm. it's just challenging um, one another and that's the key mentors and mentees the mentor is learning too yeah but I tell you I love the informal mentoring I love picking up on that somebody needs somebody outside of maybe their boss yeah. to kind of give them guidance or a suggestion or a thought hey can I work with you this way can I you know offer this suggestion I think it's very tough. I know you read mentoring books and you read books about sponsorship and you've got to go out and ask yeah. somebody to do that. That's a tough thing to do, especially if you're young in your career. Mm -hmm. That's kind of hard, yeah. right, to do that. And so I think as a leader, and I'm very much uh, a person that believes if you're a leader for an organization, you're not just a leader for your team. You're a leader for the organization. That's great. So yeah. you need to find ways to help the organization be more productive and be better with its employees. And you own that to the company, not just to this team you serve. And I'm, I really challenge lead, leaders when they get into that, it's not my job, it's another team. I'm like, no, we're all leaders. Our yeah. job, regardless of department, is to make this work for the organization and make it work for the team members. And I take that very seriously. So um, I, I just find people want to have somebody that they can bounce an idea off that doesn't judge. Right that doesn't have accountability for their career, right? That can just give them some thoughts, ideas, challenges. And I'm working um, right now um, in, in a mentor-mentee um, mm -hmm. role um, and really challenging them, you know, on, they, they're feeling a little bit of the imposter syndrome, right? Uh -huh. And how do you get past that? And really giving them specific tactical, let's do this, let's try this, how's that going? And really holding them accountable. So some of them are informal, some are formal programs. Mm -hmm. I think um, I want to continue to do that in whatever way I can help. I, I love, and men and women, but I love really doing that with, with women um, just from my own experience, which has not been a perfect experience. And I like the ability that I can say that, right? A lot yeah. of times you hear um, leaders or executives and it all sounds like it just worked and then it was great <laughs> and they just rose to the top. But, you know, I'm here to say, you know, you don't always get where you want to go. Sometimes you hit that glass ceiling and how do you find a way that it doesn't shatter on you, that you yeah. can live inside of that glass box and still feel healthy and whole and productive. And I've learned to figure that out, wow. right? And I love being able to help with it. And I think that's a little different perspective, yeah. right? Because most people come with, how do you get to that? Well, sometimes it didn't happen for me. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you how and why I'm happy and why I'm happy at my company and what do I do and leadership really isn't about a title anyway and mm -hmm. it's about other things that are important but it's not about influence and, and I feel I'm as influential if mm -hmm. I was, you know, uh, the COO. I mean I right. do. I feel like I can, including talk to our CEO if I needed to. Mm -hmm. um, and so I try to help them see that and how they can get there and remove some of the fear and the imposter syndrome that they may feel. Mm -hmm. that, that's fun for me. Yeah. And I feel really good when somebody says, I got it, right? Even if it's just one point and they get it, that, that's success. That's really success. That's wonderful. And I think one point that I picked up is it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal program because I know that, again, 
when I think about the executives mm -hmm. that I talk to, that would be amazing mentors. They're always worried about their time, right. right? But it doesn't have to, as long as you're available and you've got something structured, but it doesn't have to be part of a big, broad right. program necessarily. Right. Okay. I think that's great. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a few fun things. Okay. You ready? All right. So the first thing, this is for everyone to learn from. Okay. And, you know, leaving, leaving some of your wisdom behind and some of the things that you love. Uh, first thing, a two, call it, of your favorite books. So I have one that I'm reading right now, okay. right, yeah. while we finished. And we did this as a book club for my, my okay. office. I think the team was like, okay, Annette, like we don't what have enough club? to do. That's nice. Well, for my team, yeah. right? And yeah. um, it's a book um, called Smart Brevity that's out right now. Smart Brevity. It's got a lot of popularity. Okay. Companies are using it. There's a TED Talk. Jim Vanderhei and um, Mark... Um, I know Jim Vanderheide is three other authors, yep. but Jim Vanderheide. And they are guys that started Politico and Axios. Oh, yes. But they talk about, um, which I love politics too, so yeah. I follow. And so anyway, but they talk about how to talk in a way that in this world of 15-second attention spans, how do you get people to pay attention, listen, especially wow. in writing. It's a really okay. good book, by the way, Smart okay, Brevity. Yeah, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Um, the other one, and this is an old book, but John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Um, um, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I love that. And he has both a secular and a spiritual, and I have both. Yeah. Um, you know, one comes from a scripture base, one comes from a secular. Um, and then the other one I, I like, and I'm going to uh, mess up the name, but it, don't worry about the, the, the small stuff. Oh, the small stuff, yeah. It's old book, yeah. but it's true. When you think yeah. about it, almost everything is small stuff. And sometimes, you know, you just have to come back and say, is that really that big a deal? And I have to say that to myself quite often, right? Because I can get very passionate. Yeah. That's what one would say about me. And sometimes the passion is not necessary. So you, you have to say, is that really worth the energy? Now, on a fun, I'm in a book club with a group of women. I love that. Yes, yeah. it's called Kasoma, which is an African word okay. for friends. And so wow. friends, re friends reading, right? Okay. And um, 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 so we've had a lot of good books. But there's this, and I hope I have the title right, and I don't remember the author, but there's a book. This is fiction, but it's based on a little bit of truth. Okay. It's called The Personal Librarian. Mm. And it's the story of the librarian for J.P. Morgan. Oh, interesting. Yes, and the story comes out, so it's based a little bit on her story, okay. and she was actually a black woman, okay. um, but was not known wow. until like the 50s or 60s, so she actually passed, right? Wow. But she was, and if you know anything about J.P. Morgan during that time, I think it says the 20s and the 30s, but she actually helped build this amazing library for him, his art collection, and it's very well known around the world. Wow. And this woman did this. No one understood her to be a black woman. So it's, and it's just a great story. I mean, it's wow. written well. It's just one of my um, favorite fictional books. I just really, out of my book club, and we've read lots of books, but um, I've read that. And we read some nonfiction, but that was a really good um, book that just sticks with me. Hmm. Um, yeah. I'm going to read it. So yeah. I have, at any point in time, about six books. I'm I'm serious. I've taken pictures of them on my nightstand. <laughs> a different, you know, might be self-help. Yeah. It could be a lot of it's around, you know, eating, whatever. Yeah, right. Self-help, a business book or two maybe, a fiction book, whatever. And I kind of get into bed, Annette, and that's what I do at, at night. I No technology. Yeah. So I even bring it upstairs. And I just see what I'm in the mood for that right. night. But anyway, I'm going to get that book. Yes. Um, movies. Ah. And I think I, I, I love the movies. theater and movies. I love musicals. I love 
dramas. Yeah. So I, I, you know, this is always a joke because I, I was sharing with you earlier that I'm, I love Jurassic Park. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I'm like, I do the whole time, but I, I watched all of them. I'm even going to the Jurassic Park yeah. exhibit as I shared with you. So that's one of my, my fun ones. Um, mm -hmm. From a musical, I loved Hairspray. Oh my God! Oh, I love so it. fun. Right? Yes, it was yes. so fun. I just saw right. that at the Fox because oh, I, I have right. tickets for the theater. I love the arts. Yep. Um, there's so many good movies. I mean, oh my God! Um, the Help was a great movie. Oh, I thought that, that was amazing. Yeah. Untouchables. Yeah. Um, I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> now I will tell you a fun fact that people are gonna say: cut off the video. I never saw Godfather. None of them. <laughs> And I've never seen Star Wars. None of them. People are like, how do you even exist? But that's the truth. I don't know any Star Wars movies. I don't know any of the Godfather movies. So there you go. Okay, this is not going to make me look good to my family right now. My husband's side of the family, they are huge. I guess you call them Trekkies, yeah. right? Like, uh, no, 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 not Trekkies. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, See, I didn't even Star know. Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. Big Star Wars fans. Oh, I haven't seen them all either. And... Um, and I hate to admit that. So I'm, you're not right. alone. Right. You are not alone. But next time you see a movie like Jurassic Park, just call me because here's, I am like that in the movie. Ah, I'm talking. Right. Everybody does, nobody likes it. So except for my dad, <laughs> who's, he's the only one that I know who talks through a movie as much as I do. And I always want to say, why did they do that? He's right. like, I don't know. Whereas people, others are saying, just let the movie play. Right, right. So anyway, if you're like that, yeah. I'm your movie All right, pal. all right. I'm your movie pal. Uh, favorite vacation? Uh, I think my favorite vacation was um, Alaska. So oh. I went to Alaska with a group, it was a ski group that I was a part of, and we went, but I didn't go skiing. Yeah. Um, but we, um, and this was April, but one of the things that a couple friends and I did is we did one of the helicopter tours over oh, wow. the glaciers, and we actually, well, we, two favorite things I did. So, and we actually landed on the glacier. It was the most amazing experience because we were in big parkas in the, like the pilot kept saying, you don't need all of that. It's going to be warm. And we're like, we're going on a glacier. We need to be wrapped up. Um, but we didn't. And the snow came up to our knees. But then we pulled away the snow and we were laying on the ice. I have pictures of us. We were laying on the ice. And then he told us to be quiet. And we got really quiet. And you could literally hear the ice moving. It was like, ch -ch 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 -ch. Wow. it was spiritual. It was really a spiritual moment. You know, and once we landed back, um, I thought, oh my God, if we had crashed on that glacier, we would just die because there was <laughs> nothing there, nobody there, no ant, nothing. We would have just yeah. died. But um, it was it was amazing. And then the other thing on that same Alaska trip, we went to the Adirondack. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Adirondack yeah. farm, and I actually got the little dogs and the puppies. Oh, and then we yeah. actually rode the sled, and he rode with us. And he had actually won. He was on the Today Show. Very good-looking oh, guy, wow. by the way. And he told us the story. He goes up into with the dogs for six months, and he sort of hibernates and oh, works. Yeah, it was very amazing. So I have to say, I've been a lot of places, but that I have to say, that was a pretty amazing experience. So I've been going to Alaska since I've been about seventeen. My sister moved there. Okay. Um, I, my big sister, and uh, at, and so she still is there. And I go a lot. I've been there summer, winter. It is. Absolutely yes. amazing place to go. I have to highly recommend it yes, as well. Absolutely. absolutely. So finally, 
well, actually two things, I suppose. First thing I'm going to ask you is, of the last two things, is what do you do to keep yourself inspired, motivated, fresh, your best? Look, you've, you've got a great spirit about you. And <laughs> Thank <that> you. <laughs> you do. And you're motivating and you're, you're driving a very big team to connect together around you know, solutions that can be very complex, things that they've got to do and deliver on. And it's and they're virtual, you know. Like, so what do you do for you? Well, um, other than humor during the day, <laughs> I'm trying to get better at working out. I do enjoy that, um, and just getting some exercise in. I do a yeah. little bit of yoga, not crazy yoga. Actually, I do more like chair yoga, but just the meditative, yeah. um, um, to kind of just keep myself whole. Plus, the books that I read. Yeah. I am. I want to take up pickleball. So oh, I'm a big fun. tennis fan, but I had yeah. some hip injuries, and so doctor doesn't recommend tennis anymore, so I want to pick up pickleball. It's a great way to be outside, and I just think that sport is, like, fun. And what they thought was sort of old folks sport, <laughs> the, the, the leader of the, the, the whole pickleball universe right now is some 15-year-old, so it's not wow, old right. folks sport. Because it's like ping-pong and tennis together. Who, what the best that two sports there great. are, right? Ping-pong yes. and tennis together. Yeah. Um, in the workplace, it really is, you know, and there are days, right? Um, um, but it really is about trying to find some humor. And this is I've just come to learn over the last, I think, year or so. I had one time when things got really bad, and I just, a funny story, my boss happened to ask me how things were going. And I think 20 minutes later, before he had been able to utter a word, and he said, I'm sorry I asked. And I, and I remember after that, I'm like, I've got to find another way. To manage to do all this. It was so funny. I bust out laughing. He's like, I'm sorry I asked and I won't ask again. I mean, literally, just probably, I went on a rant. And so I found, you know, we're not doing surgery here, right? I'm not taking somebody's heart out and I killed right. them or what. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to have perspective. And so I really did start this thing with all these funny emojis. Like, I have funny memes. I send them like at the end of the week. I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but this is how I feel about the pandemic. And it's this creature. I don't even know what it is. Hairs, I mean, people just send me back. Ha ha. So I found that humor can really um, temper the stress and the frustration. And I told them the more humorous I get, I told my boss, the more frustrated I am. Just be aware. Wow. When they're coming like every two seconds, things are not going well. Maybe I'm about to implode on myself. So, um, yeah, but I found that's a way to manage to and not take that's it great. so serious. And it's okay not to be perfect. Um, and that is a self-talk, right? Because I just am naturally a perfectionist and you're not perfect. Yeah. So to try to be that way is, is, is a stressor all in of itself. So it's okay to just not be perfect. So find a little humor. And I have gone to this journey of finding all these funny memes and emojis and send I them out and it just that. makes me yeah. laugh and makes them laugh and that's then whatever it is, we can, can get um, past it. So yeah. That's it. So I've got, we were talking about the pros and cons of the iPhone, so I'll reveal something. Um, and, well, there's this, I, I try to use humor too. Sometimes I don't use it as much as I should, <laughs> but there's like this dragon Right, this green dragon that comes up on the on the um, iPhone, and you can talk, and it, you know you put it in front of you, and it'll be like you're talking. So I come up with this dragon voice, and I'll leave things <laughs> for my team as I'm talking in this dragon voice, oh, and they get this that. message from this dragon. But it's really me. It's really quite funny, actually. 
And then uh, my chief of staff would send back to me this little, um, you know, she'll send back like a, well, there's like a little panda bear, and she'll answer in a squeaky voice, you know, or just <laughs> a little crazy. And we tend to do that during yeah. those high-stress times, yeah. you, you yeah. know, because we're going to get through all that. Right. Anyway, okay, so you kind of answered this a little bit, but uh, because I think you left a good thing around humor in the workplace with, with people. But if you could leave people with, like, three things that you would want them to remember in their work life, you know, their life life, whatever yeah. that is that you've learned, what would you want them to know? One, be authentic. Always trust yourself mm -hmm. um, and don't be a perfectionist. It doesn't bring you or anybody else any value. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This oh, was so yeah. much fun. I am so glad you came yeah, and I absolutely. hope you'll come back. I, so, absolutely. Anytime. Thank thanks you. Thanks a lot. It was an enjoyable conversation. Yes. All heart. Thank you. Hey, it's Michelle. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoy our podcast and know someone who you believe would make a great guest, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and let's talk. I'd love to hear your feedback. And as always, may it inspire you in your own personal and professional journey of life. You're not alone.